0: Um, as Ken was saying, this is a, an unusual day, a different day for us. Something special is happening today. We have four men who will be added to the eldership today, to be added to our current elders. And so that's special. Now, for those of you that are guests and may not be familiar with what an elder is, an elder is generally an older, wiser man who is willing to shepherd this church family. What that means is they're willing to guide this family and to lead this family as we seek to follow Jesus. They are men of integrity and men who have hearts for God. And so while that doesn't actually talk about all of the characteristics or qualities that are involved with being an elder, even the responsibilities involved with being an elder, it kind of gives you an idea of what we're talking about or what we're looking at today. Now, We have history. This church has been around for a long time. This congregation has been around since, was it 1850? Is that close to that time? And so there have been a number of elders who have served in that capacity throughout all of those years. Now, while we haven't always been at this location, not always at this building, we have been here in Sherman. And when I think think of that, you know, we think of those men who have served. There are men here with us today who have served in the past as well. Men who are no longer serving in our eldership, but have served us well. And I would like to take a moment just to recognize them. So I'm going to ask these men, if they would, to stand. And I'm going to call, you, call your name and ask you to stand at that time. Let's begin with Frank Brown. Frank, would you stand? And Dick Freeman. Wayne Keene. Mike Cowan. Ken Lawrence. Richard Oglesby. And Howard Smith. I just want to take this opportunity to thank all of you for serving us in the past and even serving us now because you are serving now in many other ways. Thank you for being great leaders. Thank you for having hearts for God. And thank you for willing, being willing to look out for the best interests of this church family. We want you to know that we appreciate, appreciate you very much. Thank you. You know, when you, when you think about these men, they worked with some others who are no longer with us anymore and others who lived before them. And so we have a rich history of men who have served this church family well. And when I think about that, I think of, it reminds me of a passage in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. When you look at that chapter, it's a chapter of people of great faith. It's a chapter that talks about how these people... Who had this great faith, did some great things because of their faith. But you also realize that they were just ordinary people. They were people who had their own failings, people who weren't perfect, who made mistakes sometimes. And the reality is that all of our elders are just people men who are willing to serve, who seek to do God's will, but they're not perfect. But they strive to be faithful. And the reality for us is that none of us are perfect. None of us are. But I want you to pay attention to something. I'm going to read a couple of verses in chapter 11. Verse 13, it says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. These were people who were looking toward the future. <clears throat> they were expecting something that was going to come, something that God was going to do. It goes on later in the chapter, and it says in verses 39 and 40, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. These people who look toward the future... We're looking for what Jesus was going to do. We look at it from a different perspective. We look backwards, remembering what Jesus has already done. But at the same time, we still look forward to see what will Jesus do with us in the future. And when you read a verse like this, what you realize is that they were a part of a story. And it was a story that we're also a part of as well together with us, we're all a part of that same story, that same history. And it's something that's very, it's very, very important as we think toward the future. In chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders The sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This imagery gives us a picture of a large group of people who have gone before us in this same story, who have gone before us, who are looking forward with anticipation as they watch us live out our faith. They're watching us live out our faith. And these people who lived so many years ago, they laid the groundwork for those who were going to come. For the other people of faith who would come later. And in the same way, the elders who have served in the past have laid the groundwork for the elders who serve now and who will serve in the future. The reality is that we we are running a race. All of us are. They have run that race in the past, and we run that race now, and people will run that race in the future. We need to be thankful for those who have served in the past, served us as elders in the past, but also be thankful and be sure to encourage those elders who serve us now and serve us in the future, because they seek our best. And what we need to remember is the race that they run is the race that we run. Because we all run this race together.
1: Ha. Well, call me Captain Obvious, but sometimes the obvious needs to be stated. Put simply, God plans ahead. Unlike me, who forgot to turn on the clicker. There, God plans ahead. We've seen this throughout the history of the scriptures. The numerous prophecies of the coming of Jesus, God confirming his message through his prophets, and in our focus this morning, establishing ongoing leadership. God has always raised leaders who were called to pass the baton and raise more leaders. It's, it's interesting that, that Rusty talks about this morning about the race that we're running. Uh, we probably should have collaborated on that, but again, God plans ahead and works through his servants. The Israelites made it to the Promised Land thanks to Joshua after Moses paved the way and handed off the responsibility. David became anointed king by the prophet Samuel before the end of Saul's reign. David to Solomon, Elijah to Elisha, John the Baptist to Jesus... Even Jesus, the one who actually could have been in a leadership position for literally forever, spent years investing in young men from very different backgrounds to ensure our presence in, in the family of believers today, entrusted the baton to the church and its message into their hands. We see this in Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, verses 18 through 21. The apostles carried the torch after Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, and ascension, spreading the gospel wherever they went, establishing churches and appointing men to follow their example as they follow Jesus' and pass the baton to others. Eventually, it lands in the hands of the apostle Paul, who sees the spark of leadership in two young men, Timothy and Titus. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he reminds Timothy that he too must pass the baton. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And so the baton of leadership was passed from Timothy to early church fathers, from early church fathers to generations beyond now to us today. Across an ocean, in Sherman, Texas, almost 2,000 years later, who could have imagined how many batons have been passed from one man to another, from shepherd to shepherd uh, throughout the years? Can we even number the number of of men that have led congregations uh, to be the worldwide church that it is today? Imagine the book that that would list. And this morning, we recognize the men whom God has chosen now through us to take the baton that has been offered to them, our new shepherds. Gentlemen, I'm going to ask, call you one by one, call you by name. Please stand and be recognized. Randy Brooks. Bob Crocker, <laughs> Ron Eller, and Dane Gensler. <laughs> Gentlemen, we look forward to following your lead and anticipate the uh, who among us will be joining you in the future. Thank you for accepting this responsibility. We pray for you as we follow you while it is yours, and seek and search with you those to whom you will extend it when God reveals them to us. May we all remember and all plan together that God plans ahead, and so should we.
2: Shall we pray? Our heavenly Father, we bow down to you and we lift up eight names Randy Brooks, Bob Crocker, Ron Eller, Dane Gensler, Rita Brooks, Carol Crocker, Helen Eller, and Treva Gensler. Father, we Lift up those names. We ask special blessings for all eight of those people. Although four of them are wives, but without their support and love, these new elders will not be as successful. Father, we ask that you give them a spirit of joy. Sometimes we forget when we think about elders the responsibility and the and the challenges they have, but There is something exhilarating serving you in this capacity. Never let those men forget to be joyful for serving you. Father, we ask them to be courageous. They'll be asked to do things that they've never done before, do things that are outside their comfort zone. We pray that they charge on, even when things are not comfortable. We ask for their wisdom. They all bring a different perspective, a different view on how to serve you. We ask that you give them strength and compassion There'll be times where they'll wipe the tears of the a, of a loving members during a very difficult time, only to return home to shed own tears for that person. There will be difficult times. We ask that you give them a sense of peace. There will be mistakes made, but no elder can make a mistake so big that you can't fix. We ask that you give them the spirit of cooperation. Let them remember that the wisdom of a group of elders is far better than a wisdom of one person. We ask them that they have the full cooperation in the respect of the congregation. And we know that a group of men that is loved and respected by their congregation, who listens to the the whispering in their ear of you, from you that they can do great things. They may even be able to move mountains. Father, we ask that you bless this church as we move on in it with a new chapter with a new group of men and a new eldership. We thank you for all that you've done for us as individuals and as a a congregation. And together, let's...
3: So you heard that God has always used his people to lead his people. He's always searched for people that would be willing to lead. And that is the cloud of witnesses that go before us. And God you have also heard god continues to be looking for that next generation of leaders and in fact empowering them already with the opportunities and the skills that are needed for the future of the lord's church so we've looked a little bit about at the past we've dreamed a little bit about the future so what do we do in the present what do we do today 1st Thessalonians 5:12 says this dear brothers and sisters Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. Over all of Scripture, we can find that there is this understanding that relationship is key. That relationship is needed in every aspect of our life. We see this in our marriages, but even more especially, we see this as a church family, and specifically, this morning, the understanding of the relationship between an eldership and the church, the congregation. Notice, that what Paul describes here is not using a military kind of language here that would say whenever the elders, you know, just to kind of illustrate it, when the elders would say, jump, we say how high. That's Although that can work in some arenas, that's not what he's advocating. He's not advocating a blind following uh, of elders. He is saying that there's a relationship here, one that is described by trust, by respect, by love, in fact that ought to be the guiding force it's this relationship that we love one another but let's be honest relationships take work they are not easy so i'm going to highlight three parts that will be reflected in the commitments that the elders will give uh to the congregation and then we as a congregation will give to the eldership three parts first is in this relationship it takes knowledge knowledge is knowing each other you can't have a relationship without knowing one another and so the elders should know the sheep the shepherds should know the sheep jesus put this very clearly in john 10:27 he says my sheep listen to my voice i know them and they follow me that phrase i know them what a fantastic phrase This is like the bedrock of relationships. This is one of the sweetest things that we have is every one of us wants to be known. We long to be known. This is what we desire. But that knowledge, realizing that that knowledge to be known is a two-way street. I have heard people complain many a times, but I've heard a specific complaint that some people have. Well, this elder, such and such elder, does not know me. They don't know my story. They don't know things about me. And we look at it as a shame upon them for not knowing you. But I have a question to ask you, O complainer. What have you done to be knowable? I'm not asking what deeds that you've done. It's what have you done in your life that has made you a relationship-worthy person to be known by said elder? Because relationships are a two-way street. Or are you going to simply ask the elder to do everything for you? And if so, we've got some work to do as a congregation because we are missing what it means. See, so often we want our elders to listen to us. We want our elders to pray for us. We want our elders to love us. But how willing have we been to listen to, to pray for, and to love our elders? When was the last time that you simply got to know one of the elders? No real agenda except A relationship of love, of trust. When was the last time that that happened? See, this is a two-way street. You can't have the relationship without a knowledge of one another. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, they know me. This is the first part. There has to be a knowledge. But then he says that they listen to my voice, they know me, and they follow me. Elders are called to guard, to lead, to equip the congregation In response, we are called to follow. We are called to support and even submit to them. Now, we recognize this. This is probably one of the most natural things for a congregation to realize whenever it comes to elderships. Well, who's in charge? Well, the elders. Who's the one that makes the call? Well, the elders. And we get it, right? Doesn't make it easy to follow because sometimes whenever I have my own ideas of how things can go, or I just have my own desires of where I want to go, it's hard to follow someone else. Following is not always easy, but regardless of how hard it is, this is our call as a congregation. We submit to the leadership, submit to the direction, but I also want you to understand that submission is a two-way street as well. Because as much as we submit to the elders, the elders also submit to us, or putting it as Ephesians 5:21 says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission is meant to be a mutual two-way street understanding. We are meant to submit to one another. And so that makes sense for us uh, of saying, well, the elders lead, we have to submit to where they're leading. But the other side of this coin is that the elders need to submit to our spiritual needs. What I mean by that is if they don't submit to our spiritual needs, they may find themselves leading somewhere and no one's following. Because we have needs spiritually that if they're not listening to, if they're not submitting to, then we are not going to have the right relationship. This is a working together kind of mentality to submit to one another. This allows us to hold the elders accountable as a congregation. We understand that the uh, elders hold the congregation accountable with many aspects, But who holds the elders accountable? According to scripture, I believe it's over and over again, it's the congregation. We encourage them, or we should. And all of this, all of this is because we have first made a commitment. We have first made a call to follow God, to submit to God. We couldn't do any of the things that are required in the relationship between an eldership and this congregation if we hadn't already submitted ourselves to God's will. Because when we're seeking God's will, when we're seeking his direction, we make the eldership's job easy and make it a joy, or as the first passage that I read in Thessalonians, live peacefully with one another. That is a wonderful way to honor our elders. And if they are seeking God's will, and if they are looking for his guidance in every aspect of their lives, that's going to overflow into how they lead the congregation. Relationship is key. Submit to one another. Submit to God. Because relationships require constant, constant maintenance. You have to constantly work at a good relationship. Because things change times change things change and this morning we are gathered here because the eldership is changing i don't mean that we have a new direction and we have all these things that we want to bring what i'm saying is that the makeup of the eldership has changed which means the relationship is changing among themselves with the ministers with the congregation and that may sound like a doomsday or kind of a scared thing, but I look at it with wonderful hope because the relationship changing is a beautiful picture. Going to a marriage understanding, my relationship with my wife is different than the, the day I married her, and I'm glad. I've grown up since then, and she's remained awesome. So this morning, at this time, we're going to formally recognize four new elders. They've already stood up and been recognized uh, here this morning, but uh, we're going to formally recognize these four um, new ones to be joined by our current six elders to make up the full eldership. So I'm going to ask uh, the four new elders to come up here. Hey, Junior, do you mind moving this table with someone for me? Like six of you jump up. That's awesome. <laughs> um so the four elders, uh, four new ones, would you come up and, and come up on stage? And then uh, the six current elders, would you come join and surround them? Because it's not just about our new elders that are coming in, it's about all our full eldership together. That uh, So come on up, uh, the four new ones, and then surrounded by the six, I hate to call them the six old ones. There's a better term for that. Experience, I don't know. (laughs) All right, I'm going to come around front. There's a chance that most of you in this room know one, if not most of these, in some fashion. You know them well enough, um, in fact, well enough that at some point in the journey, you have asked them to serve in the capacity to be an elder. And that is fantastic. There may be an aspect in which you don't know them as well as you would like. Well, let's work on that. Let's get our knowledge uh, together. So even though we are just recognizing four new elders, we believe it's important for the entire eldership to commit and even recommit to the congregation uh, based upon like vows or this just understanding of a mutual commitment that we are making one to another, and so what's going to happen now is I'm going to ask the el- elders, all of them, three questions um, that really cover a whole, a whole host of things, maybe not everything that could be covered and what they're committing to. But after each question, just say, we will, or however you want to affirm that uh, this, is, this is going forward. Then I'm going to ask the congregation, because this is a relationship between the two, and so I'm going to ask the congregation, to commit to three things as well again after each of those say we will so the first to the elders elders at western heights church of christ do you promise to know the congregation love them pray for them listen to them and guard them from satan's attacks to the best of your ability do you promise to lead the congregation, equipping them for works of service, guiding them in acts of righteousness, and submitting to their spiritual needs? And most especially, do you promise to seek God's will and follow his guidance in every facet of your life? All right. Now for the congregation's turn. I'm not gonna ask you to stand, I'm just gonna ask you to verbalize, all right? So here it is. Members of Western Heights Church of Christ. Do you promise to know the elders, to love them, pray for them, respect them, and support them to the best of your ability? Do you promise to submit to the elders while following their guidance, while at the same time holding them accountable? And most especially, do you promise to seek God's will and follow his guidance to the best of your ability? We will. Based upon those vows, those commitments. Sounds like a marriage, isn't it? Because it's very similar. Because here's the thing. We are tied. And this is a relationship. But we recognize that this relationship, these guys as already has been talked about and prayed over. These guys can't do it on their own. In fact, they need the support structure in their home to be able to do this. And so we want to go ahead and recognize the families of these men. Come join them up on stage. And uh, we are going to... uh, pray for them. So come on, uh, families of these men, join them on stage together, please. And I guess on stage is a relative term. Around the stage is totally fine. (laughs) And I'm glad to see families because these are the ones that take often take a hit that we forget they're the ones that have are sacrificing uh as well but i believe truly that in their sacrifice it's all to god's glory and there will be wonderful blessings and benefits upon them as well at this time richard is going to lead a word of prayer over all of you and uh, and us as well so richard i'll let you pray
4: I would ask you to consider two passages of scripture before we pray, 1 Timothy 5:17 and Hebrews 13:17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Obey your leaders. This is a command back to us to the congregation. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. And then a terrible idea of what the elders are opening themselves up to. They keep watch over us as men who must give an account. That is an awesome responsibility that we put on these men. And we pray to that end that they will stand and fulfill that. Will you pray with me? Father, it is today a good day for Western Heights, for the passing of the baton of those of us who have served in the past to pass it on to other men. It is also a time for the congregation to have men who they know, not necessarily older men that some of them have not known in the past. And as we look to the future, We pray that we would always have a leadership that is understanding, compassionate, and always looking out for the sheep that are here at this congregation. We pray that we will continue to be in your word, that we will not allow culture to dictate over what your word has to say. We pray that we would always look to you, the author and the finisher of our salvation. And we pray that these men today as a group of men and their families, that many times their wives will have to wait on them for meetings and have to be gone at night and weekends and go into homes and situations that the wives will be understanding and be patient when those times come. Continue to guide this congregation under the leadership of these elders and bring us to completion at the end of time where we will stand and be able to hear from you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom that has been provided for you. Continue to be with us today as we leave and as we go our way. And as we become lights in this county, in this town, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen.
3: So traditionally we offer an invitation, usually at the end of a sermon, but uh, we've decided to wait until offering it here because the very, we thought the very first act of these new elders would be more than appropriate, would be to receive the invitation normally the elders will surround the auditorium so I'm just gonna go ahead and ask y'all would you surround the auditorium families head back to your seat if you want If you wanna stay with the elder that is also fine pick a place there are no assigned spots on this guys except mine don't get mine I'm kidding (laughs) kidding here's the thing Something we love to offer. Because the invitation, it stands always and every one of these guys and their families are always open. That if you need to talk, if you need prayers, this is just a physical representation of what we strive to do every Sunday to let you know that they're here. If you don't want to come forward with your things, that's fine. That's why we surround the auditorium. If you need to pull them aside, great. But we want to let you know As a whole leadership here. We are here for you. So if you need prayers, if you want to commit your life to Christ, calling him your Lord and Savior through the waters of baptism, if you just want a hug and want someone that is there to listen to you, would you let it be known? Would you come as we stand and as we sing together?